0: Pittsburgh Steelers defense had some huge setbacks in 2021 and had, in some ways, one of their worst seasons in many years. On the other hand, that defense largely carried the Pittsburgh Steelers to a playoff berth and have some pretty incredible statistics that stand out for this team despite the injuries and struggles they had. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the Cutting Room Floor. Last week on the Cutting Room Floor, we talked about the offensive coaches. We talked about the position coaches, and then spent a decent amount of time talking about Matt Canada. If you missed that episode and you want to go hunt it down, it's a good one to listen to. This week on the Cutting Room Floor, we're going to talk about the defensive coaches. Before we get into it though, uh, I I had a birthday, my birthday, uh, if you're listening to this on February 1st, my birthday was yesterday, it is uh, the day I'm recording it, right now, as I'm speaking, for me, it's my birthday, uh, so, just want to let everyone <laughs> know that, I had a great day today, if you live in the Pittsburgh area, uh, if you're familiar with, you know, pittsburgh scene and food and all that i uh i got to go to to peppy's on the north side and get a sandwich always always love going there i took my wife little little bragging point here i took my wife who uh she has spent time in philadelphia for work and has had local philadelphians tell her you know oh you have to come here and try a cheesesteak at this place or this place and she's had several that she thought were were very good and i was like you know, I'm telling her this is the, the sandwiches at Pepe's, the, the cheesesteak style sandwiches, uh, the pepper steak sandwich specifically is better than anything you'll get in Philadelphia. And she kind of scoffed at that. And she's like, you, you know, I'll, I'll have to try it because I've had, you know, better ones than you've had. And I'm like, all right, all right. You know, you've had better sandwiches in Philadelphia than I've had. And uh, she tried it and she took her first bite and she looked at me and she said, oh, my and I was like, that good, isn't it? And she nodded her head yes. So if you get a chance and you've never, if you live in the area, or you come by the area and you've never been to Pepe's, go go, uh, go get a sandwich there. That was my birthday treat for the day. Uh, they, no, they are not a sponsor of Behind the Steel Curtain or this show. Uh, so I guess I'm more a unofficial sponsor of them. Uh, except when it comes to my personal life where I am definitely a sponsor of their sandwiches with the number I've eaten. Oh, man. But anyways, I've had a a great birthday. I'm in a good mood. Uh, And let's get off of that topic. And while I'm in a good mood, let's switch to talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers coaches on the defensive side of the football. I want to start with the defensive line. Carl Dunbar. Carl Dunbar joined the staff in 2018. Since then, 2018 and 2019, were the best two years of Javon Hargrave in Pittsburgh, his most productive seasons in Pittsburgh. It saw his hand usage improve, everything. He just, he just became a better player, got a great contract to go out to Philadelphia. He's been great out there. Carl Dunbar joining the staff uh, took Javon Hargrave from a good player to a great player, in my opinion. Now, obviously, coaches don't force people to get better. You know, I don't. I don't want to give that opinion. I don't want to. I don't want to have that sound like you know. Uh, one of the things I like to say is that TJ White was considered a reach when he was drafted in the first round, and now he's probably going to be the defensive player of the year. Uh, he should be. That that development was mostly his work, right? That's that's his talent, his work. But coaches play a role in that, and in the same way that if someone doesn't develop, it's not. 100% on the coaches either it's it's kind of a difficult thing to look at so I always try to look at is how do players improve uh in what areas do they improve and if you see a lot of players improving on the same team then the coaching staff may be a part of that so we we'll start with Javon Hargrave uh Tyson Alu came to Pittsburgh refound elements of his game when he stepped in for Javon Hargrave at that nose tackle spot and those defensive tackle shifts He found, you know, refound his game and and showed a lot of value in that, in that, in the Steelers defense. And especially 2020, my goodness, when he stepped in at nose tackle was just absolutely a phenomenal player and asset for the Steelers. He called Dunbar has been the coach for Kim Hayward's last four seasons, which are four of his the five best for his career. Uh, I want to say that, you know, 2017 was a phenomenal season for Cameron Hayward as well. So Carl Dunbar doesn't get to take credit for Cam Hayward developing. You know, it wasn't like he showed up and Cam Hayward suddenly started putting up stats that he hadn't put up before. He had put them up before, but we have seen him as the coach for some of Cam Hayward's best seasons, which, you know, at least you can't knock a guy if if the person is continuing to play at a really high level. On this season, we saw Chris Wormley have his most productive season, especially in pass rush put up the best numbers of his season. Uh, he had s- seven sacks this year, I believe. And before that, he he had never had two in a season. He had never had two sacks in a season. And he- while he played significantly more snaps than he's ever played before, uh, he he had seasons in-, in Baltimore where he played close to 500 snaps. This year, he was close to 750. So, you know, a, a 50% increase in snaps. And he got more than three times the amount of sacks. You know, by far the most QB hits he's ever had. His pass rush was significantly better. However, he was a liability in run defense across the board by my accounting. He was uh not good against the run. He would win uh one v one matches with a with a with a blocker in the run game and make plays, but he would also lose them. You know, he was kind of iffy on those, and I never really saw him do well against a double team ever. Uh, So for me, he grades out as a a pretty big negative in the run game. Before this past season, I would have told you that Carl Dunbar's best work was getting solid and productive play out of bottom of the roster players. Isaiah Bugs, Henry Mondo, Carlos Davis, guys that are like seventh-round picks and undrafted free agents and guys who have been cut by multiple teams come to the Steelers. And he gets solid play out of them. We saw Henry Mondo in, in 2020 give the Steelers some good snaps. We saw him come in this time. He, he had two sacks this year. But he was hit or miss. We saw Isaiah Buggs show up in 2020 this season, not so much. Uh, it's, it's, we saw Isaiah Loudermilk this season impress just about everybody. If you watched his college film, uh, the people who watched him in college really looked and said, okay, he's tall. He's long, but he's bad. It was it really showed up. It was like this guy's not good. The same I can be said for Carlos Davis when he was drafted. His college film, my opinion was bad. I looked at both these guys' college film. I was like, this is not good. Uh, this year, because I did Carlos Davis last year, I had uh, uh, Kevin Smith and I were splitting up players for the draft this year, and he ended up doing Isaiah Loudermilk, and I was kind of excited about that because I had done Carlos Davis and Carlos Davis's film. I had largely panned it as just being awful. And then by the the time he played in the season, he looked really good. Didn't look at all like he did in his college tape. And we saw the same thing with Isaiah Loudermilk. That, to me, says your coach is pretty good at teaching the players how to play in the NFL. However, in 2021, those players that I would have cited as evidence of how good Carl Dunbar were, struggled mightily. They were asked to step up into much bigger roles than they had in the past, and it didn't go well. I think more than anything, that is a testament to the Steelers' ability to use those players in situations that played to their strengths and their weaknesses didn't matter as much. When Henry Mondo could come in on obvious pass rushing downs, he was really good. Uh, The amount of sacks T.J. Watt had in 2020 that involved Henry Mondo being on the field was actually an impressive amount considering the low amount of snaps Henry Mondeau did, but they worked well together and they they were productive. Uh, Carlos Davis looked good in the bit of he played in 2020. Isaiah Bugs had that great game against the Ravens, people remember. But in this season, when they were forced to play all the time, they were forced to be, you know, play on passing downs and rushing downs, and the Steelers couldn't really just play them in situations where they were playing to their strengths and then sub them back out and get a two-it or Alu-Alu back in for other downs. They struggled. And they were exposed. My opinion on Carl Dunbar in this situation is that the Steelers have benefited from not having to put more money into their depth defensive line. They've been able to get away with these bottom-of-the-roster guys taking solid amounts of snaps and giving them solid play. And I'm going to give Carl Dunbar, as well as the defensive scheme, a decent bit of credit for that. This year, when they didn't have the ability to hide them, you know, they were liabilities. But your sixth defensive lineman on the roster should be a liability. If you've got six starting caliber defensive linemen on your defense, you should probably trade one or two of them. And get some better assets elsewhere. Like, the, what are you doing? Why do you have that many really good players? Uh, so for me, I, I think that speaks to Dunbar's ability to get the most out of those bottom, lower tier players. I don't. I, I'm trying not to sound insulting to these guys, but they're they're not the Stephon Tuitt and Cam Hayward and Tyson Alluwalu's of the NFL. They're borderline roster guys, and the Steelers have gotten good good play out of a lot of them in smaller samples. All right, that's a lot of time spent on Carl Dunbar. I think he deserved that that kind of focus. Let's move on to the Sears' outside linebacker coach was Keith Butler. Uh, he stepped in in 2019. We saw Bud Dupree absolutely explode in that season, go off and have a fantastic season. 2020, he was great again. Got a good deal to go you know, to the Titans, got paid well there the growth in Dupree the difference in him and i don't I, I probably shouldn't even say growth just the difference that that Keith Butler taking over outside linebacker coaching duties from Joey Porter played in the 2019 season and and since then has been something else uh you look at TJ Watt and his growth you know his rookie season he was playing under Joey Porter 2018 Keith Butler took a bigger interest in that position and became the coach position coach for the outside linebackers. And look at how TJ has done, you know, that's again, I've made the point players put in the work. It's their talent. Coaches just have to put them in a position where that talent can be used well and shine. And also where the players work ethic can pay off for them the most that it can. You can have a player who works hard and wants to get better and has the talent to get better, but if they're using him poorly in the scheme and his coach isn't providing him with the tools to improve his game, that person's improvement is going to be limited. Clearly, I don't think anyone was limiting T.J. Watt's development. He went from what was considered a first-round reach to being Defensive Player of the Year and one of the best players in the NFL Uh so I'm, I'm gonna say Keith Butler was a great outside linebacker coach, and they do need to replace him. There is a guy on the roster, coaching roster. I, I believe it's Coach Martin, uh that will get a shot at that, at you know, interviewing for it, probably. He has been considered a rising star of the Steelers coaching staff for a little bit. Jerry Olsovsky, inside linebacker coach. Inside linebackers didn't have the best. Didn't have the best season. Um, but I'm going to have to give Olsovsky some of the credit for the growth we saw in Devin Bush from his first week in 2019 till he was injured in 2020. Where Devin Bush went from the first week being a, a, a kind of raw athletic linebacker who really didn't know what he was doing in the defense and was missing a lot of skills. Was getting abused in run defense and in pass defense and coverage. He was... He was getting thrown at and targeted by teams. But I said in 2019, it was almost like every week he erased one of his weaknesses until by the end of the season, he was a very solid linebacker in 2020. He came in and looked to my eyes a lot like Ryan Shazier did in 2017 before Ryan Shazier got hurt. 2020 also ended with Devin Bush injured. He was never the same guy again this year. But you saw his coverage ability coming back as he got healthier, as his speed came back. He is a great coverage linebacker. That's what he is. That's the main reason the Steelers signed him. Uh, And I I can't knock Olsovsky too much for the fact that Devin Bush still can't take on offensive linemen. They didn't draft him for that. The dude's small. He gives up 100 pounds to a lot of guards. He's not going to just come in and slam into him in the hole and and make room there. He's short. He's light. He's fast. He's not going to be taking on offensive linemen. And that's not how our defense is supposed to work. We saw Schobert come in and and not be what we really needed from that position. Uh, But that's a fill-in. That's a guy who was signed to to give us something. Similar case to Avery Williamson last year. Played solidly, but really didn't fit what we needed him to be. Robert Spillane. Robert Spillane to me is a positive for Olsovsky. He He came in to the Steelers as a practice squad guy that could be a special teams player in a pinch, uh, ended up going onto the squad and playing a lot of special teams second half of the year, really showed up. 2020 showed up as a guy who, in the right situations, could be an asset on the field, a, on defense at linebacker. He showed that periodically in 2021, uh, but he also showed where you know there's, there's roles you can't have him in when he... When Spillane and Schobert were on the field together, it was not good. Spillane was much better on the field with Bush than he, than he was with Schobert in there because Bush could kind of take the main coverage duties, give Spillane more of that attacking linebacker role. The Steelers, more than me bashing on Olsovsky uh, for this season, I think it goes to show that the Steelers need a number two inside linebacker who's legit and fits what this defense wants to do. Basically, we ended up with Bush, who is a man coverage linebacker, who is pretty good in zone, and Joe Schobert, who is a zone coverage linebacker. That's really what he is, and he can make tackles, but he's not taking on offensive linemen any more than Devin Bush was. So the Steelers need to get a second inside linebacker. I think they can be okay. Jerry Olsovsky hasn't exactly had the most talented linebackers uh, outside of Bush and uh, Ryan Shazier, who both have shown they can be great. Hopefully, Bush can come back next season. The Steelers can have a defensive line that that protects him. He can be flying around the field and make plays like he did before his injury. But I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to make too much judgment on Olsovsky from this year. We're going to go to a break when we come back. We're going to talk about the man who is the front runner for the Steelers defensive coordinator position Uh, and also the Steelers defensive backs coach. There's a lot to talk about with him because he's had a lot to do with calling the defense in the last, with the defensive changes since 2019. That is one, Terrell Austin. We're going to talk about him in the second half of the show. So stay put, stay tuned, and I'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you stay in tune to the entire Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts, through, podcasts throughout the offseason season. Uh, some of the some of the situations and shows are going to change. Some of that stuff will change after the Super Bowl ends. Uh, the show I'm on Wednesday night that I do with Michael Beck Wednesday nights on YouTube. It's released on audio podcast platforms uh, Thursday afternoon. We during the season are called Know Your Enemy, and we talk to guests from other teams, and we talk about the Steelers and and how they match up with the team that we're facing well in the offseason, that becomes the curtain call and after the super bowl the curtain call is going to start looking at college prospects that the Steelers could go after in the draft and we don't just talk about them ourselves we bring in guests from a specific school and we talk about the prospects from that school so you're going to you're going to hear a lot of the big names we're going to talk to alabama you know probably you know some of the bigger schools out there that you imagine the Steelers have, you know, are, are linked to prospects for them. The schools with quarterbacks this season are going to get covered. A lot of different schools are going to get covered before the draft. We're going to be doing that every week, talking to someone from a different school, getting that insider perspective of someone who covers the team and has covered this player, you know, more than just looking at, at tape and breaking them down, but has covered them as a person covering that team for for several seasons. So stay tuned for that. But for right now, for our second half of for, for this show, we're talking about the defensive coaching staff. We talked about a lot of the position coaches in the first half. I'm going to talk real briefly about Keith Butler. Keith Butler took over for the Steelers defensive coordinator in 2015. The Steelers kind of pushed Dick LeBeau out. The defense had been struggling. His system could not deal with tom brady at all tom brady had continuously carved up dick laveau's defense i think other than one game it was it was bad and the Steelers said it's time to move on keith butler came in in 2015 drafted bud dupree and while he gets a while, while people talk about you know 2017 18 19 20 and 21 ever since the Steelers drafted tj watt they've led the nfl in sacks but before that When Keith Butler and Bud Dupree were together, in the 23 games they played together before T.J. Watt was drafted, the Steelers had 73 sacks. That's more than three sacks a game. And they were closer. They were top five sacking team when they had Bud Dupree. When he was out, it didn't work so well. When T.J. Watt was added with Bud Dupree the Steelers set the franchise record for sacks in a year and have led the NFL in sacks since 2017 Keith Butler is quite possibly the greatest pass rush coordinator the NFL has ever seen His problem was always his coverage it was it was it was kind of vanilla schemes it was more like, "Hey, you guys, you know, do some basic coverage defense. That the other team, they'll they'll know what's coming, but hopefully we can just sack their quarterback before they get the ball thrown." It didn't work so hot. After the 2018 season, the Steelers knew they needed to upgrade their coverage. They got out. They they brought in Mark Barron and Devin Bush to to help coverage and the their coverability in the linebacker position. But they also brought in. Terrell Austin, as a senior specialist. was like senior defensive specialist coach job. Kind of a made-up position. And the Steelers then added Minka Fitzpatrick in week three. A few weeks after Minka Fitzpatrick was added, the defensive coverage looked significantly different than it had under Keith Butler at any other time they started running some some different schemes that worked with Minka Fitzpatrick and, you know, fit his skill set. A lot of the schemes that showed up, a lot of the changes, the new stuff that they started throwing out on the field, show up when you look at other defenses Terrell Austin has coached when he was a defensive coordinator in Detroit, and Cincinnati. You see these ideas, these concepts and schemes. You don't see them with Dick LeBeau, with Keith Butler, or Mike Tomlin. You don't see them. Now, it's not reinventing the wheel. you know. Like, like There's cover two and there's cover three. It's not like Dick LeBeau didn't run cover three. He did. But when Terrell Austin used cover three, he did it differently. He got the guys to those positions in different ways that really made it hard for the defense to deal with them. One of them is... In his deep cover three, when the Steelers got into, to you know, second and really long or third and longer than 10, sometimes third and 10, third and nine even, any third and long play, you would see uh, the Steelers in a traditional two-safety look, two-safety high look, but at the snap, if you probably can remember this, you'd see Cam Sutton just sprinting backwards, right? right between the safeties and the two outside corners would drop deep Cameron Sutton would go into deep zone and it's cover three the interesting part of it was Terrell, Terrell Edmonds and Minkah Fitzpatrick wouldn't be deep players they would both step forward and kind of sit on the line of you know the first down line and they would be like okay you can you can throw short on third and ten but to get Pat to the first line, you've got to make it past both Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds if you're in the middle. Then you'd have their dime linebacker and Mike Hilton on the outside, who are your most aggressive and best tacklers in that f- setup. So their front line was a bunch of their best tacklers, and their back line was all their best coverage guys, with Cameron Sutton, Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson back deep, and Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick stepping forward into the middle. And they also made it work because the linebacker and Mike Hilton could cover way outside and leave uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds with a lot of zone to cover, a lot of area of the field to cover, because they could. And it really worked. And that is something you see in Detroit when Terrell Austin was there. You see it in Cincinnati when Terrell Austin was there. Hints of it, you know, using the players, finding where where this player would be best suited in the coverage, and then just create a way to get them there. Right? Don't, don't make it more complicated than it is. Just get that player to that spot and let them be in their best situation. That is a Terrell Austin thing. One of the strengths since that 2019 defense has been the Steelers' success rate in ending drives when an offense gets a down with more than 10 yards to go. Right, So if you have a run for a loss, you have a penalty, you have an early sack, Those things make it incredibly hard for an offense, especially when they face the Steelers defense since Terrell Austin came on board because the coverage designs he has in those situations just don't give you places to go. And a lot of times you'll see teams facing third and 12, just dump it off underneath and hope for the best because there's nothing open deeper. There's just no way, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to attack the defense. The only thing you can do is throw short and hope that person makes the play. The Steelers' defense, after the 2020 season, lost Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, two of their top four cornerbacks. They didn't add anyone of a pedigree, right? Nobody. They didn't add anyone. Who had been a starting corner. They didn't add anyone who had been really a, a you know a full-time nickel corner to the defense. They moved Cameron Sutton from the number four cornerback spot up to number two, made him a starter. They brought in Arthur Millette, who was a part-time player. Uh James, they they put James Pierre in the mix as a second-year player who was an undrafted free agent who played only a handful of snaps in 2020. And they Brought in seventh-round pick Trey Norwood, and gave these guys serious numbers of snaps on the field, and yet the Steelers' pass defense, as you know, the front seven faced major injuries, uh, and you, we saw what happened in the run game. Even as they're facing all of that, they were able to keep the passing defense as a top ten passing defense in the NFL. We also saw the Steelers bring in Akello Witherspoon. Came in, played initially, he was awful. They took him back out. They worked with him. And when he came back in, stepped in and played, he played really well. One of the one of the things he did, uh, when I watched film when the Steelers acquired him, is I said, you know what, he's he's great in, you know, man coverage on an island when the route is deep. If he doesn't have to worry about short routes and it's just, you know, situations where you're you need to cover this guy against deep balls you need to play deep zone with their witherspoon is fantastic the problem he has is when receivers are able to you know have back him off with their speed and then take underneath routes and he ends up having to come up and play you know bump on him and then he's more vulnerable to getting beat but basically if you can give him some help with short routes he's your deep guy he's your deep coverage guy and he showed that throughout the season why that worked with the Steelers is in 2019 when they added Steven Nelson, that's the exact same thing they did for Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson was largely a deep cover guy who passed off any short routes to other players and would switch to safety if he, if you know, if no one on his side ran deep, he'd kind of play to safety and Minka Fitzpatrick would would come up and attack underneath routes. He it worked with the with their pattern matching defense. You're able to do that kind of stuff. It worked really well with a Witherspoon. Again, that's stuff we didn't see with Keith Butler. That's stuff we didn't see. You don't see with Mike Tomlin defenses. That's not stuff you see with Dick LeBeau. That is stuff you see with Terrell Austin's defenses. So that's to me is Terrell Austin. That's a lot of value. The the play we got in 2020 from James Pierre, the play we got in 2021 from Trey Norwood, Akello Witherspoon, the good snaps we got from Arthur Millette, Cameron Sutton making the jump from a dimeback, and, and really even, let's go back 2019, Cameron Sutton isn't a big deal. 2019 is when Cameron Sutton starts getting talked about as, wow, he's one of the best dimebacks in the NFL. You know, He's a really good depth defensive back. 2020, he stepped in and played. And we're sitting here talking, saying, oh, Cam Sutton's actually really, really good. 2021 comes around. They move him into a starter. He does a solid job as a starter. He is a solid number two corner. When he has to go move to number one, he's overmatched. When he's number two against most teams, if they don't have a, a, a guy as their number two receiver with like number one receiver traits, Cameron Sutton's going to be perfectly fine. That wasn't him before 2019. Like the development of the players, their skill sets personally. And the advancement of a scheme that allows these players to play to their strengths, Terrell Austin has been a big part of that. And I also want to cover the additions we've made since 2019. Like the Steelers are a team that has, have struggled to add good, quarter, good cornerbacks and good defensive backs, period. They really shine. 2019, they added Minka Fitzpatrick, someone who was known for a you know, quality player without really a position. You know, he's got great football instincts. He's, he's a great football player, but there's no real place to play him. He's not a true free safety. He's not a strong safety. He, he's not a nickelback. He's not a linebacker. What, like, what is this guy? He can play all these positions, but he's not really good at any of them. And Terrell Austin brought him in and designed a defense that will work with him. To this day, if you ask me who the best uh, cover one deep free safety is in the AFC North, it's, it's Bates from Cincinnati. You can go watch him play in the Super Bowl. He's really good in that role. Minka Fitzpatrick isn't. So the Steelers creatively find ways to help him when he's back there. And they find ways to get him out of that role as much as they can to play to his strengths and allow him to be a dynamic force on the defensive side of the ball. That he wasn't in Miami. That's Terrell Austin. They brought in James Pierre. They were able to use his skill set right away. Trey Norwood came in and has been playing a, a lot of snaps and has. I mean, he was covering Travis Kelsey really well for a while in that wild card game, for about you know six seven drives until the defense was kind of wearing down and and things just started going really bad for the Steelers. We've seen this and we saw it again this time. The last player took, is Akella Witherspoon. We saw that with him. The last thing I want to bring up is the Steelers were. A top defense in 20-plus yard passing plays allowed. They didn't give up many. I think they were tied for eighth in the NFL. Significantly less than everyone else. Most of the teams gave up more than 50 20-yard-plus pass plays in 2021. The Steelers gave up 44. You know, 42 would have put them in the top five. That's that's where they hang out the last couple of seasons is a top three, top five team in preventing 21, 20 plus yard pass plays. This year they dropped down to eighth with a lot of new faces, significant turnover at, at key spots on on in the secondary, and with the defensive line falling apart. The Steelers, by the way, gave up the most by a good margin, the most 20-plus yard run plays. In the NFL, they gave up 24 second place with 16. 50% more than the second most given up by a team, but they were top 10. They were eighth in pass plays, fewest, eighth fewest pass plays of 20 plus yards left. I also want to add in that if you look at the teams that made the playoffs this year, you have and you look at splash plays. 20-yard-plus-yard passing plays. Almost all of them. Like, I think half of them, eight of them, are in, like, the top 10 for fewest uh, long passes allowed, passing plays of 20-plus yards allowed. And the ones that aren't on there are at the top on the offensive side, teams like Cincinnati and Kansas City, where they just had significantly more than other people. So you end up with this net positive of passing plays for 20 plus yards, right? That's a big deal in playoff correlation. The Steelers were one of the worst passing offenses for getting 20 plus yard plays, but they were one of the best on defense and they made the playoffs. One thing that stood out, people are talking, we've all been talking, we've hearing people talk. What are we going to do about Joe Burrow? He's in our group. We're going to get torn up by Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, In two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, threw two passes for 20-plus yards. Two. He had, I think, six against the Chiefs. He's been torching other people. He's something like 18 this offseason in three playoff games. It's something like, I think it's 18. It's close to that if it isn't that number. Against the Steelers in two games, he had two. Against the Chiefs, the first time the Steelers played them, two. The second time, none. Until, like, they, I think they had two in the first half. But they had five drives where they held them without being able to get that ball completed downfield. That's how you contend with the Chiefs. That's how you slow down the Bengals. When we look at this defense and this pass defense, if the Steelers stick with Terrell Austin... They need to bring in someone to coach the front seven. They need to bring in someone to to orchestrate the pass rush, coordinate that, kind of like Keith Butler did, and be to the pass rush. For, for Terrell Austin's pass rush, what Terrell Austin was to Keith Butler in coverage, right? Let him focus on where he's his best and bring in someone who can specialize in blitzes and pass rush, so that the Steelers can remain, you know, one of the better pass rush teams and let Terrell Austin continue his work in the secondary. Uh, I also want to say the players we've added since since they added Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Austin, since both of them were on the team, so don't look at Justin Lane. uh, That was drafted with a different defense in mind. Since Terrell Austin really took over the coverage responsibilities and, and orchestrating the Steelers' secondary, all the players they've added have had pretty good input packed. All the players they've invested really anything in have had some good impact on the team and looked good. If we're going to add a higher end cornerback, I feel better about our chances of successfully drafting or adding a young, you know, talented quarterback cornerback, and having them produce with Terrell Austin than I have at any time. And the Steelers past, I've done articles about how bad uh, drafting corner uh, drafting cornerbacks we were under, under Dick LeBeau, where the best was Willie Williams. Willie Williams was the best cornerback they drafted while Dick LeBeau was a defensive coordinator. Ike Taylor, uh, Chad Scott, those guys were drafted when he wasn't here. He was on other teams. Came back, we couldn't draft him again. Under Keith Butler, hasn't been much better. I think with Terrell Austin... We might be able to break that streak. That's it for our show today. Uh, I am actually, I like the Steelers defensive coaching staff. I like what they've done these past few years. I think this year was more about the injuries and the loss of talent, uh, the lack of depth in a you know salary cap crunched season. I want to see the Steelers go out and address the talent. I want to see the Steelers add some talent to the defensive line, some depth to the defensive line. I want to see them figure out the inside linebacker position, and I want to see them add some pieces in the secondary. I'm not worried about the coaches on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. That is it for our show. Thank you for listening. Have a good week, and let's go Steelers.